The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. There's a very easy way to have the world mock and criticize you. Just insist that you believe every aspect of what this Bible tells us about Jesus the Messiah. Of course, Jesus himself was mocked, criticized, and opposed by the society of his day. I've been preaching salvation and healing for more than three decades, and today I believe more than ever in the reality of divine healing. Although I have many clergymen in my family tree, as far as I know, I'm the first in my family to insist on recovering the healing aspect of the gospel. And nothing is more exciting than to watch somebody receive an instant healing. Hello, I'm Christine Darg. I'm so indebted to many mentors who teach on the biblical truth of healing, including evangelist Reinhard Bonka, but most of all, I attribute my interest in divine healing to the Lord of the Harvest Himself. It's the Holy Spirit who defines a person's ministry. And due to my early childhood experience of having been healed by the Lord in an open vision, I suppose I've had a predilection to pursue the subject of divine healing. The Lord's intervention has saved my life on a number of occasions. So the topic of divine health is infinitely fascinating to me. I believe the topic of divine healing should be a fascinating topic to all lovers of Bible prophecy and the Hebrew Roots movement as well. You see, any area of the Bible that we don't really understand is also where we're going to be spiritually weak. Think how the church has suffered in loss of power and influence because it failed as a whole through the centuries to maintain a high level of faith in the Lord's promises, whether it be promises about Bible prophecy or a healing. The church lost the sense of the presence of the Lord and plunged into dark ages, substituting the prayer of faith for the prayer of unbelief in many cases. Now, personally, I prefer the expression divine health over faith healing or spiritual healing because the phrase spiritual healing can too easily be associated with alternative occult powers. And the phrase faith healing can put a wrong emphasis upon the insufficiencies of our own faith. But the phrase divine healing correctly focuses upon the Lord and upon His powerful promises of divine health in this word. The Lord led me to pray for the sick long before we joined the team of Reinhard Bonka. In fact, I first stepped out in faith and began actively to pray for the sick in my evangelistic meetings in Bethlehem back in the 1980s. And the Lord honored my prayer efforts, even with a miracle of healing when I prayed for a Muslim sheikh who had made the pilgrimage to Mecca. He was gloriously healed of lung cancer and delivered from smoking. In those days, I read every book on divine healing that I could get my hands on. 
Later, when I served with Reinhard Bonke's team, just watching him and his faith in action was more edifying than reading 10 books on healing. However, before joining his team, my family moved for a season from Israel to England to live in Gloucestershire's Forest of Dean, a place that reportedly had never experienced a revival in Britain up to that time. But if small cottage meetings can be counted in revival, and I believe, yes, they can, we surely experienced some of the most powerful manifestations of the Holy Spirit that I've ever experienced in our little 17th century tin miner's cottage in the forest. Still, there were lots of people in the village church who held little interest in divine healing, except for one elderly gentleman who was totally sold out for the message of divine healing. God has his people everywhere, doesn't he? This man was treated like a pariah by most members of the congregation because he always talked nonstop about healing and most of the professing Christians weren't really interested. They much preferred their local doctors and surgeries rather than contending for divine healing. But in me, the old man found a friend who would gladly listen. Well, it's amazing how God works in my life with books. I hope you experience the same thing. And if the Holy Spirit is active in your life, I'm sure it happens to you. I'm talking about the fact that sometimes books just seem to appear on my desk. Okay, I know I've probably picked them up and moved them around the house or wherever I happen to be staying at the time in Israel, the UK, or the USA. But it's an uncanny thing how even in a large bookstore with thousands of volumes, my eye can be directed to eliminate all other titles and focus on just one title that the Holy Spirit wants me to read. Well, that dear elderly man back in the Forest of Dean in the 1980s has long since died. He used to give me books on divine healing, but I'd even forgotten his name until just recently I picked up a gift book on my desk inscribed with his name sitting in a pile of other books. God bless him. I'm sure if he were alive, he'd be amazed seeing me today on TV preaching the gospel. And of course, he's part of the great cloud of witnesses. The title of the book was Christ Healing by E. Howard Cobb, printed in the last century. The book insists that divine healing is still available today, just as in the days of the Lord's ministry on earth. As I started to peruse this little book again that I hadn't read in a couple of decades, I noticed that I'd underlined some passages. But what stood out to me this time was a remark that most of the healings of Jesus were instantaneous. That struck me because if we believe the Bible, Hebrews 13.8 declares a major truth, that Jesus the Anointed One is the same yesterday today and forever. So if he's alive and present with us, and he is, why don't we experience more instantaneous healings like in the New Testament? The answer the author gave, and I think it's a good answer, is this. We don't see more instantaneous healings because of the low level of faith among professing believers. 
resistance to the healing aspect of the gospel is what I call collective unbelief. Doubt and uncertainty have created a big barrier to the flow of the power of God. Instantaneous healings were the norm and not the exception in the ministry of Jesus. So I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, if instantaneous healings were the norm under your ministry, and if you're the same today as you were yesterday, we must believe for more instantaneous healings to your glory. And when you study the miracles in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, you also discover that their healings and miracles were also mainly instantaneous. For years I've been teaching that we must keep believing after we receive healing ministration, despite recurring symptoms, because the promise of healing is sown like a seed and we must water that seed of healing with faith, with thanksgiving, and not give up. Hopefully the seed of faith, the seed of healing is sown in good ground, that is in believing hearts. If healing is like a faith seed that's sown, we mustn't pull up the little sprout of healing prematurely through impatience or unbelief before the healing is properly manifested. Well, in the Great Commission in Mark 16, the wording does imply that when we pray for people, there will be a recovery process because Jesus said, we will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. But as I reread this little healing classic, this little gem of a book on divine healing, I felt challenged by the Holy Spirit to believe God for more instantaneous healings for people, for instantaneous relief from sufferings, because immediate healings, after all, were the norm that characterized the ministries of Jesus and the apostles. Can you say amen with me? Instant healing. Be healed instantly. In the name of Jesus, this admonition comes to my spirit like a rhema word. The Holy Spirit is challenging us to boost our faith in this area. I was so delighted recently when I received a card from a viewer named Rosemary in the UK who'd been suffering under such an affliction that she couldn't do anything but collapse on the sofa and watch Christian TV. She said, this program came on and I happened to pray for all who were afflicted and instantly she was healed and able to get up and go back to work. I was delighted to read that she was healed instantly. May the Lord, our healer, who wants to heal through each of us, receive glory. How wonderful it is to believe God instantly for any of his promises rather than going through a long process of recovery from doubt, uncertainty, and unbelief. Tragically in the churches, there's not an expectancy for people to take up their beds and walk. In the West, more and more people occupy hospital beds, but in the poorer countries, sometimes people have no choice but to believe God. I'll never forget seeing a man in a Reinhard Bonka event in Africa who was carried into the meeting on a crude mat. It was like a scene right out of the Bible. During the prayer of healing, he got up and walked and carried his bed of affliction like a trophy 
across the platform while the crowd cheered and glorified God. Well now, let's look at some of the instant healings in the New Testament. I love this verse in Matthew 15:30. We read that great crowds came to Jesus, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and the maimed, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them all. These were instant cures because the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking the crippled walking, the maimed made whole, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. The account of the invalid at the pool of water in Jerusalem also comes to mind. When Jesus learned that the man had been in this condition for 38 years, he asked him, do you want to get well? You see, that was a very vital question because Jesus knew very well what I've learned in the healing ministry that not everybody wants to get well despite the hopes of their friends and loved ones. The man said he had no help to get down into the pool when the water was stirred by an angel as it was popularly believed. But Jesus didn't stand on ceremonies. In John 5 8 he simply commanded him, get up! Pick up your mat and walk. And instantly, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Hallelujah. An overturned bed of sickness should preach the healing power of God. Now let's consider Matthew chapter 8 and Mark chapter 1. We have in these chapters the account of a man with leprosy who came and knelt before Jesus. Lord, he said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus defied all convention, reached out his hand and touched the leper, saying, I am willing, be clean. And instantly the man was cleansed. The leprosy disappeared in an instant. And in Luke chapter 5, Luke the physician gives us the added detail that the man was full of leprosy. He was covered with the disease. So this was the healing of a very advanced case, instantly healed. This was a messianic miracle, identifying exactly who Jesus was, the Messiah of God. I want to mention two instant miracles in Luke chapter 8. In the crowds that pushed and shoved to get near to Jesus, there was an unclean woman because she had suffered from an issue of blood for 12 years without any relief, although she'd spent all of her money on the physicians. It's very easy to mistake a very strong hope for faith, but this woman wasn't just hoping for healing. She knew she could be healed by Jesus because she kept saying within herself, I know that if I can just touch the fringe of his garment, I shall be healed. That's faith talking. So she crept along and with stealth, she reached out to make contact with just the fringe of Jesus's prayer shawl. She knew she could draw his anointing into her body. And the moment she touched the fringe, instantly the bleeding stopped. She knew it instantly and Jesus knew it. She felt the power of God go in and he felt the power of God go out. 
So Jesus turned around asking, who touched me? Always the spontaneous one, Peter said, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody is touching you in this crowd because of the crush. But the woman confessed. She fell trembling at his feet and said that she had been instantly healed the moment she touched the fringe of his garment. Jesus surely smiled because in this woman he recognized genuine faith in action. Daughter, he said, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Oh, the Lord is so very gracious. He was saying go in peace because I know you sneaked up on me. You were unclean and ashamed according to the law, but your faith has been rewarded. Just then, a synagogue leader named Jairus, who had asked Jesus to come and pray for his sick daughter, was told that it was too late. She had already died. The girl was 12 years old, the same number of years that the woman had suffered from an issue of blood. But now the girl was drained of life altogether. But Jesus went to Jairus' house anyway. He told the mourners to stop wailing. But they went from wailing to laughing at the very suggestion that the girl wasn't dead. Jesus put the unbelievers outside and took his inner circle of disciples into the bedchamber. He took the girl by the hand saying, Talitha Kumi, little girl arise. And instantly her spirit returned. She stood up and began to walk around. The people who had mocked Jesus just a few minutes ago were instantly astonished. The speed of Jesus' miracles demonstrates the perfect will of God. Consider also the healing of blind Bartimaeus. As Jesus and his disciples were passing through Jericho, a blind man, Bartimaeus, meaning son of Timaeus, was begging by the roadside. When he heard Jesus of Nazareth was coming, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The people shouted him down, telling him to be quiet. But Bartimaeus shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and called for him and asked, what do you want me to do for you? Well, it was obvious, wasn't it, that the blind man needed his sight? But Jesus wanted to hear the man's faith because not every blind person expects to receive their sight. Rabbi, Bartimaeus said, I want to see. Go, Jesus replied, your faith has healed you. I want us to notice that again and again, Jesus said it's a person's faith, not their hope or desire. It's their faith that triggers the healing. And the record says, instantly Bartimaeus received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Lord, give us more instantaneous miracles like that today. We must believe that the same Jesus who performed miracles is alive and is using our hands and our voices to carry on his work in our generation, exactly as he commissioned his disciples to do. The apostles certainly carried on doing instantaneous miracles. In Acts chapter 2, they received the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 3, a man who was lame from birth was begging at the gate beautiful when he saw Peter and John 
about to enter the temple courts to pray. As usual, the beggar asked for alms. But Peter, again ever spontaneous, said, Look at us! Silver or gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you. And what did Peter have? He had authority. He had power in the name of Jesus, which is greater than silver or gold. Peter boldly commanded the beggar, In the name of Jesus, the Messiah of Nazareth, walk! And taking the cripple by the right hand, Peter helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He started walking, then jumping and praising God in the temple courts, creating quite a commotion, and all the people were filled with wonder and amazement. They saw this well-known cripple, who was a public fixture, now leaping all around in the temple courts, and God receiving glory. It's the best side effect of healing. Why don't we see more instantaneous healings? The church's neglect of the healing has built a barrier of unbelief. And what you don't practice, you can lose. Every time a minister of the gospel decides to honor God's word and the Great Commission to pray for the sick, it's like stepping out on the water. But the sure promises of God in this book will uphold us and keep us from sinking. A case in point, a woman came to a meeting in Birmingham, England on a walking stick looking old and haggard. She had been a sacred dancer, but was now crippled through an operation. I laid hands on her in the name of Jesus and commanded her to dance. I didn't know she had been a sacred dancer, but the Holy Spirit knew. And she was instantly healed and looked 20 years younger. Glory to God. Well, the New Testament asks, is anyone sick? And if you're too sick to seek healing outside of your home, James chapter 5 gives a prescription. It says, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. What will save the sick? It says the prayer of faith, not the prayer of unbelief. And then the passage goes on to say, the Lord will raise him up. And if the sick person has committed sins, he will be forgiven. This is an important New Testament ordinance. James 5 teaches us to confess our faults and shortcomings to one another and to pray for one another that we may be healed because the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. This ordinance in James 5 clearly teaches that sickness can be the result of sin. But if we confess and forsake our sins, healing is ours to claim. The prayer of faith is the key. And the sick person is the one who calls for the elders. In James 5.14, he expressly states that the sick person must call for the elders of the church. That's the test of his faith. It's not the same thing if somebody else decides to call the elders. And anointing with oil is mentioned because oil is a point of contact to help a person's faith. Oil represents the healing presence of the Holy Spirit. Anointing with oil is a ministration that 
takes the emphasis away from a human personality and puts the emphasis upon the divine presence. But whether we seek healing through anointing with oil or the laying on of hands, the prayer of faith is the important thing. Well, right now I want to encourage you to put the safekeeping of your eternal soul into the hands of the Savior, Jesus, Yeshua. Because the Bible promises that all who call upon his name shall be saved. But I also invite you to put your hand on the place of pain or put your hand over your heart or on your head if you have more pains than hands. God said in Exodus 15, 26, I am the Lord, your physician. And in the New Testament, 1 Peter 2, 24, proclaims that by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. And because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can be sure that God's promises never expire. If you knew the living Messiah was standing visibly right in front of you now, you would be assured of healing because he never failed to heal anybody who came to him for healing. He healed one and all. But if you truly believe that Jesus is with you by his spirit, as he promised, even though you can't see him, nevertheless, you can receive healing from his holy presence right away. May it be so speedily for you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. God bless you. Well, I invite you to stay in touch with me through the social media. That's an easy way to share what God is doing in your life. And please take time to explore our website, exploits.tv, where you can sign up for an electronic copy of our color ministry magazine, Exploits, with features on healing, Israel, and prophetic Bible teachings. While visiting our website, please look for details of our upcoming tours and conferences in the Holy Land. And so until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Dar. Shalom. Welcome to the fourth largest city in the world, the amazing, colorful city of Mumbai, with its more than 20 million people living in a metro complex that stretches unbelievably 100 kilometers in every direction. And behind me is the famous Gateway to India, a beautiful structure that commemorates the visit in 1924 of King George V and Queen Mary to what was then known as Bombay at the pinnacle of the British Empire. We're here for a week of evangelistic meetings, ministering to pastors, church workers, and Christian leaders to encourage them and empower them to keep sharing the good news of Jesus in Asia and to help them better understand end-time events, Bible prophecy, and to appreciate the growing economic and diplomatic relations between India and the nation of Israel. India is, of course, a Bible land where some Jewish exiles from the fall of Jerusalem fled back in 587 BC. It's mentioned in the book of Esther. And later, this is where the apostle Thomas was called to preach as an eyewitness to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. So Christianity has a long heritage here in India 
and it's the third largest religion in the country. Well, we're continuing to follow in the footsteps of missionary giants such as William Carey and the London and Church Missionary Societies. So thanks to you for your prayers and support. We are here to share Jesus with these spiritually hungry, precious souls in amazing India. God bless you and Shalom. I'm Christine Darg. What an amazing panorama of Jerusalem, the city of the great king. To the east is the Mount of Olives, and beyond that, the Judean wilderness, the Dead Sea, and the nation of Jordan, where presently 600,000 Syrian refugees have escaped. It's hard to imagine that right beyond this horizon, there is a holocaust going on amongst the Christian population of the Middle East. That's why the Jerusalem Channel has been created, to bring you a perspective of biblical events in the Middle East. When you visit our website every day, we have updates on news, prophecy, and what's happening and how it all tells us that Jesus is coming soon to establish His rule in this city. We want to invite you to become a supporter of the Jerusalem Channel. If you give in the United States, please know that your gift is tax deductible. And in the United Kingdom, we can claim gift aid on your donation. And so we invite you to get behind the Jerusalem Channel. There's never been a day like right now. We have so many opportunities to share the gospel in the remaining times of the Gentiles. Israel is rising again and God is visiting this nation. So stay in touch at exploits.tv. I'm Christine Doric. Shalom.